This is Terrio Media. Ladies and gentlemen, brace yourselves for the newest blockbuster episode of the one, the only, epic real estate investing podcast. We've got an adrenaline-pumping doubleheader for you that will make your heart pound with excitement, your mind spin with curiosity, and leave you at the edge of your seat in anticipation. First, we're going toe-to-toe with the age-old question, is owning your home a good investment? This is set to be an absolute barn burner as we wrestle with the highs and lows, the pitfalls and peaks of home ownership, leaving no stone unturned, because in this game, knowledge is power. But don't you dare think about catching your breath because second up is the latest update to the new Corporate Transparency Act of 2024. This isn't your ordinary paperwork punch-up. No, this is a roller coaster of forms and regulations that will test the mettle of even the most seasoned entrepreneurs in the world of business. Get ready because this is going to be a knockout show you'll never forget. These are not just any podcast episodes. They're battles of wisdom and knowledge where the prize is your prosperous future. So, tighten your gloves, step into the cage, and let's get ready to rumble. Hey, strap in. It's time for the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. We'll be your guides as we navigate the housing market, the landscape of creative financing strategies, and everything you need to swap that office chair for a beach chair. If you're looking for some one-on-one help, meet us at reiace.com. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go. Is owning your home a good investment? Yes. If you love the thrill of a risky gamble, especially when it's not just your money on the line, but also your livelihood, your mental health, and potentially even your marriage. I mean, it's a high stakes game and you'd be a fool not to play. I mean, first off, you have the sheer pleasure of handing over a sum of money that is by all measures astronomical. And you'd think we'd reward you for this kind of cash up front, but no, we're going to slap a 6% fee on you just for the privilege of participating. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. The beauty of this investment is the monthly payments. They're like a friendly reminder, a love letter, if you will, to let you know your money is locked up tight, safe, and sound. So safe, in fact, you can't touch it. Not even if you're in dire need of it, because if you want it back, it's going to take an eternity to pry it loose. And who doesn't love a challenge? Speaking of getting your money out, we'll have another 6% fee waiting for you there, just to ensure that we squeeze every last penny from your hands, because you know, we love you that much. Now, the return on this investment, you're gonna love this. It'll trail behind inflation like a snail running a marathon. But let's call it a win, shall we? And let's not forget the best part. This investment isn't going to contribute a single thing to society. No products, no ideas or services. It won't even give you dividends. It's essentially the deadbeat of investments. Now, I'm sure you've heard of diversification. The genius of this investment is that it's the polar opposite. I mean, this bad boy is rooted in one place like a tree that refuses to move. No matter how much the winds of economy or the storms of social upheaval howl and batter, it's a single locale commitment at its finest. And let's not forget the glorious dangers lurking in every corner. Crack houses popping up like daisies in spring, factories closing down in a whirlwind of layoffs and economic depression, natural disasters and tax-happy local governments. I mean, it's a thrilling roller coaster ride that just keeps going. And should that coaster come off the rails, don't worry, it won't kill you. But you may have to work every waking hour of the rest of your life to recoup the losses. In that event, though, we've got you covered. Don't worry. Our buddies in the insurance sector are ready to leech. I mean, sorry. I mean, they're there to help you. They're, they're just waiting to take your money for promises of protection with clauses and exceptions longer than a grocery list before Thanksgiving. Now, of course, I can't forget about taxes. They're like a 
faithful pet always at your side, even if the value of your investment plunges faster than a skydiver without a parachute. Now, there's this small caveat that this could be the death of you. Metaphorically speaking, of course, it might lead to stress, bankruptcy, and even divorce. But hey, that's just a part of life, right? So which way are you leaning? Are you in or are you out? Out? You must be out of your mind. Last year, 6.1 million people took the plunge and they can't all be wrong. Go with the crowd. Go on. That always works. So come on, dive into this once in a lifetime opportunity to buy your very own financial sinkhole. I mean, home. Now, don't get me wrong. Buying a home has its perks. It gives you a cozy nook in this crazy world to call your own, a space for you to raise your sprouting little humans, and that oh-so-wonderful feeling of saying, yes, I did it. I own a piece of the earth. That's an emotional jackpot for most people. However, if you've strapped on your financial goggles and are looking at it from an investment standpoint, it's just as our friend described. And some will argue, oh, but it forces you to save money. Well, sure it does. In the same way a leaky bucket forces you to keep pouring in water. Well, a few years and several pounds ago, I put on my math hat, crunched some numbers for you to illustrate what a losing proposition buying your home is. But after scribbling and calculating and you know more than a few cups of coffee, I managed to piece together three alternatives where you can have your house-shaped cake and eat it too. Here, watch this. Let's say you bought this home 30 years ago for $113,900. That was the median home price in the United States 30 years ago. And per the national average appreciation rate over the last 30 years, those same 30 years, that was 5.4%. Today, your home would be worth $551,749. So your home's value increased by almost five times. What a great investment, right? Here we are, 30 years later, your home is paid off free and clear, and it's worth a whopping $551,749. This is a real promising start, isn't it? I mean, how could this be the worst way to invest in real estate? Well, let's look at it. If 30 years ago, you put down 20%, that's how most people buy their house. That's how they did it then. It's how they do it now. So that'd have been $22,780 as your down payment, of which you would then borrow from a bank the balance. And back then, 30 years ago, the, the average mortgage rate was 10.34%. So you borrow the remaining amount of $91,120 from the bank, and then you promise to pay it back over the next 30 years. That's how we ended up here. And you, so you just, you made your payments faithfully for 30 years. So now the total of your initial down payment and 30 years of payments, you add all of that up and you've invested $318,926 into your house. So your $113,900 investment didn't really multiply by five, did it? No, because you actually paid $318,000 for it. I mean, the house is now worth $551,000, but it's not five times. Still decent. There's still a respectable equity gain of $232,823, right? So that's still a 73% return, but it's not five times but it does beat a sharp stick in the eye. <laughs> so let's just keep going. We'll keep looking. So we still have property tax to account for. So the national average is 1.3%. And over 30 years, that amounted to $44,762. So let's subtract that from our gains and we're left with $188,060. But we're still not done. We have to insure the house. We need insurance. So this is actually a really tough number to come up with based on the different markets and the big fluctuations of insurance prices over the years. But but I just gave it the old eyeball test and I came up with an average of $100 per month. It's likely much more than that, but I just wanted to keep this example really conservative. So we'll use $100 a month. And uh, over 30 years, there's another $36,000 of expense, right? So our gain now drops to $152,060. So are we done yet? Nope. 
unfortunately, you see, this is our house and we're responsible for maintenance, aren't we? I mean, when something breaks, we got to fix it. It's our house. So this number I was actually able to find. The average maintenance cost for a house is 1% of its value per year, leaving us with an additional expense of $81,083 over 30 years, leaving us with just $70,976 of profit. But it's still, it's still 70K. It's not that bad. Or is it? Well, take that 70,000 and divide it by the total invested into the house. That would be $480,771. That's the number you get when you add up all of the expenses, the numbers there in red. And we're left with a 15% return. And that's not bad at all, is it? Or is it? You see, it took you 30 years to earn a 15% return. You got to divide that by 30 to get your annualized return. And you're left with 0.5% annual return, 0.5%. I mean, with that number, you are barely keeping up with today's dismal savings accounts. So let me ask you this. Do you consider a savings account an investment? No, you don't, do you? Not at 0.5%, right? I mean, per the law of 72, that would take you 144 years to double your money. That's not an investment, not in my book. I mean, I won't live long enough to see that happen. And just think, here, right up here, just a few minutes ago, you thought, you've five times your money in 30 years. So if we compare apples to apples, your home to a savings account per their returns, does it then make sense to refer to your home as an investment or a savings account? Same result, right? So really your home is more of a low interest forced savings account than it is an investment, isn't it? Actually, no. It's not even as good as a savings account for two reasons. One, because what if you need some of that money that you've saved? You can make easy withdrawals from the savings account, right? But how do you get your money out of your house? All that money that's stuck in your house. You can't. You aren't liquid like a savings account. And, and that brings me to the, the second reason it's not as good of an investment as a savings account, or it's not as good as a savings account. Because if you want money out of your home, you either have to sell it or refinance it to access your money. And then what's the result there? You do indeed get access to your money. Unlike a savings account, you have to pay that money back. You have to start pumping money back into your home to pay off that new mortgage or pay off that new credit line that you just created. And here's where it gets really insane. You, you worked 30 years to pay off your home to only be forced to pull money out and start all over again. And countless people do this every single year. But hey, at least it's 0.5%. It does fit within our definition of an investment, right? I mean, I suppose you could have done worse so maybe it's not the worst way to invest in real estate. Or is it? Does this really fit our definition of an investment? Because at the beginning, we defined it, an investment as something that will give you back more than you put into it. And this qualifies, right? You did get a positive 0.5%. Or did you? You see, there's one thing that I haven't brought up. That's inflation. And I saved it for last because it's not really needed to prove my point, first of all. But but it is needed if you want to be accurate. And I brought it up for last because most people just don't take this into consideration because most people don't understand how inflation works. And really, most people don't feel it working. But uh, if, if you don't understand how this works, I'll try and make it easy here. The, the inflation rate for the last 30 years has averaged right around 4%. And that can vary a bit depending on who you ask. And typically, it's thought to be a lot higher than that, considering the food and energy, stuff like that aren't factored into inflation. But what we'll do is we're going to use 4%, again, to be as conservative as possible. I mean, this home investment, it's bad enough as it is, right? No need to kick this house while it's down. 
So we'll use a 4% average inflation rate over the last 30 years. So look at that. Look, due to inflation, you didn't save a thing. You lost. Your return on investment is not 0.5%, but in reality, like negative 3.5%. Now we're without a doubt outside the definition of an investment. It's official. Your home is not an investment. But because most people think it is, it qualifies as the worst way to invest in real estate because it impacts more people than any other way. That makes it the worst. Bummer, huh? Hey, bright side. Let's look at this. You still have $70,976, right? I mean, you're not destitute. You still have a little bit left. And that's a decent amount of money. Or is it? Because <laughs> if you're not following me on the inflation example, it can easily be explained right here with this remaining $70,000. As you see, this amount would have paid for almost three-fourths of your house 30 years ago. But because of inflation, it couldn't even cover the 20% down payment on that same house today. So did the house go up in value? No. It actually probably dropped in value due to age and wear and tear. I mean, it's a 30-year-old house. See, what inflation did was decrease the value of your money because you need more money to buy the same house because the money is worth less. The home is not worth more. Your money is worth less. And that's why your investment resulted in a negative 3.5% annual return. And that's not just the last 30 years. You could have pulled out any 30-year period in the last 100 years and you would have seen very similar results. So let's pause. I can hear the wheels turning. You've probably got a lot of yeah buts, right? What about this? What about that? Like, like nobody has a 10% mortgage today. I would have refinanced multiple times bringing down the payment. Yeah, you could have easily. And you would have, I agree. Or my property taxes are lower than that example. Or I've experienced greater appreciation in my area. I get it. There are a lot of variables at play. But would the variables in your market have made a significant difference? Because what you'll find with the variables when you start playing with all of them and getting really accurate per your market is that there's a lot of give and take with them. What's gained in the appreciation is taken away from the taxes, vice versa. You see, over a 30-year period, you would need several of these variables to align just right to impact the return enough to classify your home as a good investment. And because you need these variables to align just right, and you have absolutely no control over them, a gamble would be a better description of your home than an investment. So what do we do now? How do we use this information going forward? Because I don't want to depress you. That wasn't the point. I, I don't want to leave you hanging. I'm not going to do that. Yet none of us do have a crystal ball. We don't know what the future holds, only how the past has performed. So let's consider this. We'll do our best to predict the future and consider that I could have pulled out any 30-year period in the last 100 years, and we would have seen similar results. So let's pretend the next 30 years just not going to be any different. So we'll use the exact same math, and then we'll extrapolate that out over the next 30 years in the exact same manner. But this time, we'll use something we do know for sure, today's historically low interest rates. Because as of the recording of this video, it's not too difficult to get a 5% rate on a home mortgage. But let's say you were able to magically pull off one of those 3% loans that were readily available just a few years ago. Alrighty? I'll give you that. I mean, surely that's going to make a difference in our return, right? That's a 7% differential on the cost of the money that we're going to borrow from the bank to purchase our home. That has to make a difference, a big difference even. Well, let's see. In this next scenario, what we'll do is we'll, we'll use the exact same figures 
national averages and calculations as we did in the first example, with the exception of the interest rate, as if we were going to buy this same house today for its fair market value of $551,749. We'll still put 20% down. We'll use the same figures for appreciation, property taxes, insurance, and maintenance. And the only thing we're gonna change is the interest rate on the mortgage. So instead of 10.34%, we're gonna use a flat 3%. So that should impact the end result quite a bit. I mean, over a 30-year period, that's a significant difference. So after 30 years, this $551,000 house is gonna be worth $2,384,000. And after doing the exact same calculations as we did with the property that you purchased 30 years ago, we end up with an annualized ROI of 2.35%. That's almost five times better. But the return still doesn't outpace inflation, does it? Here, let me go to the computer and I'll show you the actual math. So here's the spreadsheet I created over here on the left was a scenario one where we started 30 years ago. Everything in yellow is a variable. I just started with the median price and started plugging in the 20% down payment, the number of payments, the interest rate, appreciation, property tax, insurance, and maintenance. And that's where we ended up with 0.5% or 0.49%. All right. And then over here, what I did over here is I just figured out the actual maintenance table. So this was 1% per the value per year with the, uh, the appreciation rate. So it was adjusting for the appreciation. I just did the same thing over here, all the same numbers. So I just came over here and instead of using this number of 113,000, I just put 551. That was the only thing I changed. And then I came down here just to do our super low interest rate. And that takes us right down here to 2.35%. And everything is there. Because so many people buy their home and consider it to be a good investment. That's what makes it the worst way to invest in real estate. But it doesn't have to be that way. There is a way to buy your home and have it still be a solid, a really solid investment. So how do we do that? Again, not going to leave you hanging, not going to leave you depressed, going to give you something to do about it. So this is how we buy a home and have it be a good investment. We get someone else to buy it for us. I'm not being facetious either. Here's what I mean. This concept of getting someone else to buy our house for us is the very concept that makes real estate the final frontier where the average person has a legitimate shot at creating significant wealth. Yes, the answer is real estate, but only when someone else pays for it. Otherwise, as you just saw, it's not a very good investment at all. Here, I'll give you three different options to classify your home as a good investment because you still need a, a roof over your head, right? I'm not saying don't live in a house. I'm saying get someone else to pay for your house. So here are three options on how to do that. First, go ahead, buy the house, and then rent out the bedrooms to others. Use the rent your roommates give you for those rooms to pay your mortgage, and that will eliminate your biggest house expense, the collective principal and interest that make up your mortgage payments. You see, in that scenario, you're not buying the house. Your roommates are buying the house for you. So that's one way. Second way, you buy the house, you wait a few years for appreciation, wait for the amortization to work, then you refinance out the equity to buy a new house for yourself, and then turn the old house into a rental. Wait a few years for appreciation and the amortization to work, you refinance out the equity to buy a, another house, a new house for yourself, 
and turn the previous house into a rental as well. Wait a few years for appreciation and amortization and do it again. The next time, you might only have to wait two years. And the time after that, maybe just one year. As you're building equity through appreciation and amortization on multiple houses now, not just one. And it starts off a little slow, but it picks up the pace significantly in just a few years. Alrighty, so that's a second way. Third, find a house to rent and then start buying investment properties instead. Use the cash flow to offset your rent. And as soon as your cash flow amounts to a sum that would pay a new home's expenses, meaning the mortgage, the taxes, the insurance, and the maintenance, then buy your home. Because so that the income from the rentals will pay for your home, not you. Yeah, but where do I get the money to buy all those rental properties? Easier said than done, right? Well, where do you get it? You get it the same place you're going to get the money to pay that mortgage for 30 years. $480,000 in that first scenario or $1.4 million in the second. Done that way, in that sequence, your home is likely to end up being an outstanding investment. We'll be back with more right after this. Matt Terrio Investor, tell us where the deals are. Today's property is in St. Louis, Missouri. And tell us what the numbers are. Step onto the scene of this inviting sanctuary where charm and comfort converge effortlessly. Nestled in a desirable neighborhood, this remarkable home offers a warm embrace from the moment you arrive. The spacious floor plan provides ample room for a new family to live and grow comfortably. This timeless residence has undergone recent upgrades, ensuring modern convenience and peace of mind for its fortunate occupants. With a new furnace, a fresh AC unit, and a brand new hot water heater, comfort reigns supreme in all seasons. The meticulous attention to detail extends further with two new plumbing stacks, a new electric panel, and new windows that invite natural light to dance gracefully within. The heart of this home is adorned with a gleaming new fridge and stove, elevating culinary experiences to new heights. Outside, a verdant and meticulously manicured lawn presents an enchanting retreat perfect for relaxing or entertaining loved ones. For families seeking educational opportunities, Hazelwood Southeast Middle School and Laramore Elementary School stand as beacons of knowledge within close proximity. And when it comes to everyday conveniences, the Spanish Lake Market awaits nearby, catering to all grocery needs. The surrounding area offers a plethora of amenities, including bustling malls, charming shops, reputable banks, and picturesque parks that invite exploration and enjoyment. It's worth noting that this property is currently occupied with a lease in place through February 28th, 2024, renting at an attractive rate of $1,095 per month. It presents an incredible opportunity for busy professionals who wish to invest in real estate without the hassle. For more information on this captivating property and to explore other enticing investment opportunities, I urge you to grab a free investor package from cashflowsavvy.com. Hope is not a financial strategy. Let's get back to work. Joe Moore here, Ridgeline Development, LLC, little public service announcement here. Hey, business owners, did you hear? Your anonymity has been revoked. Big Brother is about to impose themselves into your affairs. What? Is everybody going to know everything that I owe? 
How much do they want to know? Do I have to reveal all my secret business strategies and the beneficial ownership information form? What do you do when the beneficial owners skip town, leaving you holding the bag? I heard there's an army of inspectors on their way to my door to dig into my business. Is that true? If there's only someone who could explain this to me like I was five. Hey there, kiddos. Captain Casheroo here. Looks like you got the memo. So brace yourself, because starting January 1st, 2024, there's a fancy new revision to the Corporate Transparency Act that's going to shake things up. The LLC reporting for 2024. It's like a roller coaster, but instead of fun, you get forms and more forms. But don't worry, I'm going to guide you through this exciting process step by step. Let's dive in, shall we? The Corporate Transparency Act of 2024 brings us the joy of filling out a beneficial ownership information form. It's going to spice up your life with rules and regulations. You get to share all your personal information with the government. It's like a trust exercise that never ends. Thanks for your cooperation. So here's the scoop. It has been a common practice for a long time that the owners of certain types of businesses like corporations and LLCs could keep their identities a secret. This means that they didn't have to tell anyone who actually owned the business. This law, though, it's an equal opportunity troublemaker. It doesn't care if you are a corporation, a limited liability company, or even a limited partnership. So buckle up. If you're in charge of making important decisions for a business or own a big chunk of it, say goodbye to any anonymity you may have enjoyed. That means, kiddos, you can't hide anymore. If you don't follow their reporting rules, the penalties are serious. Jail time is even on the table if you don't follow the rules. And they're serious about enforcing them. And it's the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network that's watching. They have a new requirement in their FinCEN reporting. Yeah, they named it after themselves. You see, the government wants to know who's involved in your business because it helps them keep track of any suspicious activities and makes sure that everything is being done legally. They're particularly interested in people who own 25% or more of a business or have control over it. The information that they want, it includes things like your name, social security number, your date of birth, your address, and how much of the business that you own. This helps the government identify who's behind these businesses and prevents everyone from keeping secrets. They say it's all a part of the U.S. Treasury that's responsible for fighting against things like money laundering and terrorism financing. But we know from experience that stuff like this, it doesn't stop the bad guys, but it does slow down the good guys as they're given their very own thrilling opportunity to tackle their very own American Ninja Warrior course, complete with an abundance of red tape, paperwork, trampolines, and hoops to jump through. Now, there are some important deadlines to reporting that you do not want to be late for. And I'll get to those in just a second. But while the primary goal is to target bad people and prevent them from hiding their stolen money, it will also impact the good people. But not all the same. How this law affects the good guys, it depends on the size of the business, its structure, and how often ownership changes hands. So your experience, it might be different from your neighbor's experience. For those lawful businesses with absolutely nothing to hide, you angels you, the impact of the Corporate Transparency Act might be all about just paperwork. So get ready to comply with the new reporting requirements and spill the beans about your owners to the government. This new reporting process, it's going to take some extra time, some extra effort, especially for new businesses or when the ownership changes. Now the deadlines. If a business was created before January 1st, 2024, they have until January 1st, 2025 to report the owners. But if a business is created after January 1st, 2024, they only have 30 days. January 1st, that's game day. After that, it's too late. 
but here's the five-step game plan to help you minimize the financial damage, the punitive damage, and especially the brain damage. Number one, step into the spotlight. Find out if your LLC falls under the reporting requirements. Embrace the fame. Freeentity.com will help you out with that for free. Two, gather your team. Collect the necessary information about your beneficial owners. It's like assembling an Avengers team, but just with more paperwork. Number three, fill in the blanks. Complete the beneficial ownership information form accurately. Remember, precision is key to compliance. Four, embrace the deadlines. Know the reporting deadlines and submit your form within the given time frame. I mean, who needs free time anyway? And number five, seek expert advice. Consult legal and financial experts who can navigate this bureaucratic maze for you. I'm sure you've got a guy, but if you don't, my guy at freeentity.com will help you out. No charge. There are some specific wide-sweeping exceptions too. None of this may apply to you and your business at all. If you want more information about these new regulations or if you have questions about your own closely held business, you can contact my friends at freeentity.com. Go there, book a free consultation and ask away. The questions and answers, it's all free. Like if you want to know, can a non-US entity be considered a reporting company? Or what specific information do I have to report to FinCEN? Or what specific information do I have to report on the individuals in my business? Or who is considered to exercise substantial control over the reporting company? Or who is considered to have ownership interest? Or what are the exemptions? Or who will FinCEN share your information with? Or just who can we contact with any additional questions on the CTA? Go to freeentity.com, book a free call, and they'll answer all of your questions, whether you choose to do business with them or not. But if you're there, give them a shot. They know what they're doing. Thanks for sitting tight while we pay our light bill. We'll be back right after this. Mainstream media is ripping us apart. This is news to bring us together and make some money in the process. Now, if you've been feeling the pinch of the current housing shortage, it may be time to put on your investor's cap and dust off those old monopoly strategies. Axios reports that high housing prices continue to make headlines in 2023, but for the savvy real estate investor, this is no less than a gold rush. Sure, we're seeing less of a neighborhood and more of a bidding war, but isn't that just a thrilling game of chess with a potential mansion at the end? Now, onto the street where they've got some fantastic insights. We're on the road to recovery, they say. The Fed rates are nearing their peak, and we might still be hitting a few bumps, but for every bump, remember, there's a trampoline waiting on the other side. Think of these high interest rates as a sign of a robust economy. A little turbulence never hurt anybody. It just makes the landing that much sweeter. Oh, what's that housing wire? The housing recession is over? Well, isn't that music to our ears? Yes, you heard it right. We're dancing out of the recession like we're on Dancing with the Stars, according to Housing Wire. Reuters further sweetens the deal with their report on the surge of housing starts to a 13-month high. That's a surge, like riding a wave right into the beach of opportunity. Higher housing starts means more houses on the market and more chances for investors to turn a tidy profit. It's like a buffet and everyone's invited. Now, we can't forget Wyndham Clark. This Father's Day weekend, he won the U.S. Open 2023. And you know what they say about golf? It's a lot like real estate. It's all about patience, the right strategy, and being able to swing when the opportunity arises. And that is your good news. Serve sunny side up. Be happy. It's contagious. Spread it far and wide. And that wraps up the epic show. If you found this episode valuable, who else do you know that might too? 
there's a really good chance you know someone else who would. And when their name comes to mind, please share it with them and ask them to click the subscribe button when they get here and I'll take great care of them. God loves you and so do I. Health, peace, blessings, and success to you. I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. You didn't know, homeboy, we got the cash flow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.